Hello, everybody. Let's just take a second to connect with something that I think we forget to connect with as Christians, and that's our joy. You know, we can get so focused on navel-gazing and so focused on, on, on the struggle that life sometimes is, we forget that we can have joy, and all we need to do is ask for that. So let's just take a moment to connect with that joy. All these wee ones, they're already connecting with it. You know, can we be more like them? Yeah, can we be more like that? They're just, they're just having fun. And we need to be sometimes like that with God and just to connect with our joy. So that's not what I'm talking about today, but I just wanted to, to stop and take a moment to connect with that. So this talk, I've called it Finding Your Why, and I'll explain what that means. Um, I want us to kind of get this idea that we are part of a master plan. God has got what's called an infinite game and that he is playing. And I want to unpack that a little bit. And I'm going to do that by using some questions. I've called them my big cues, my big questions. And they're the, the, the what, the how, and the why of life. And then I, because you know me, I like to give a real practical application to um, the word of God um, so that we don't just like understand it, but we take it away and do something with it because we don't do anything with the word of God it's like we might as well have just sort of I don't know watched a tv program or read a book or something that you know me so I want us to take the word of God and actually do something with it so if I could have this first slide the golden circle can you see that, guys, or is it a little bit like pull it apart for you? Okay, so this is actually um, uh, from a, a guy called Simon Sinek. Um, so it's not my idea, okay? And um, he is an executive coach, um, and he uses this in business. So you can see that the references up there are very much to business. But as I was going through this um, as part of some coaching I was doing, um, I thought, you know what, this has a, an application for us as a body here as this church, but it also has an application for us as individuals. So if we unpack this a little bit, the what is kind of about the product we're offering to the world. What is the product of our Christianity? You know, we might say that's eternal life or a relationship with Jesus. That might be the product. Our how is our kind of like unique selling point. How do you do Christianity? What makes our faith as Christians or as Christ followers different from all the other faiths? And the why, which I think is like really important, is kind of your core belief, your vision, and the legacy that you want to leave for the rest of your life. So I just want to give Simon Sinek all the, uh, the, the kudos for that because it's not my bright idea. So let's unpack this what a little bit more. Um, what is Christianity? If somebody came up to you in the street and said, so what's this thing? What is Christianity? What is it? I wonder what you might say. You know, is it a belief system where we try and persuade other people to, you know, join our tribe? Is it an experience of, like, 
something supernatural in the love of God. Maybe we could say our what is our theology. You know, it's what we believe. And is the what that we are doing, both corporately here as a church and as individuals, is it working? What is this thing that we do on a Sunday morning or during the week as individuals? I think it's important to ask some of these questions because we can drift along and kind of forget some of the answers to these things. And nobody can answer your what for you. You need to answer that for yourself. So that's the what and the how. Well, let's look at this. How we do this thing differs, doesn't it? So there's many, many um, expressions of what Christianity is, isn't there? So it may be that it's, it's very slick um, and entertaining and funny. Um, it may be that there's like worship bands with fans. It may be that there's an emphasis on pastoral care, you know, for people or prayer. It may be that an expression of this is, is formal and very quiet and ritualistic. In fact, some of the dynamics or, or some of the um, ways of expressing Christianity major on grace. Others major on end times or signs and wonders. And the how we do this thing called Christianity can look very, very different, can't it? Here's the thing, that's okay. That's okay because God is a God of variety. And we are all quirky and we are all different. Just look around the room and you can see he's a God of variety, right? And we're meant to be different. We're meant to be different as individuals and we're meant to be different as corporate bodies, as churches that, that worship him. And we've got to be really, really careful that our how to do this thing called Christianity, we need to be careful when that becomes the only way to do Christianity. You see, we get into trouble when we kind of want to box tick or like rubber stamp. You know, there's a dynamic in some churches where it's kind of all geared towards getting somebody to say the sinner's prayer. And then it's like, oh good, that box is ticked. Next they need to be baptized and then they're in the club. And this is a problem because we don't get to say who's in and who's out. It's God's banqueting table. That isn't to um, you know, knock somebody at that point of decision, but it's much, much more than that. It is a process. It's a lifelong process. It's not just a box ticked. We get into trouble, church, when rules replace relationship, when a formula to say who's in and who's out uh, takes precedent because it's not our banqueting table, it's God's, and he gets to say who sits around it. In Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, 
For it is by your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So, beloved, our USP, which is our unique selling point in corporate terms or business terms, is a relationship with Jesus through grace. We are the only religion that offers a relationship through grace. We're not good enough. We've all missed the bus. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There is nobody sitting in this room or beyond that can say, I have all my stuff together. Shall we put it that way? We need to be in this thing in a relational way. You know, come and be loved. Come and be accepted in this inclusive, safe space without fear of judgment, humiliation, or shame. Can we as individuals say that we do this? Or do we jump in to correct, offer an opinion, or unsolicited advice? Let's ensure that our USP, our unique selling point, comes from the fruit of the Spirit born in Galatians 5.25. Love, and the love, I believe, is listed as the first fruit for a reason. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can we try to embody these things as we walk out this how we do our Christianity? I think it's really exciting that, you know, as a bunch of agents in this place, God is working with us for his glory and his plan. And he needs all of us. And he wants all of us. It's not even that he needs us. He desires us. There is something in you that is unique and wonderful. And and we need each other. We need each other because God wants to write a new story, and he has brought you here to be part of his master plan. Our paths have crossed for a reason. You're not here by accident. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 verse 17, we are co-heirs with Christ. We're co-heirs in this infinite game, in this, in this, in this master plan that he has. Philippians 2 verse 2 Sorry, Philippians 2, verse 12 uh, and 13. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work within you, enabling you to do both and to will to do his good pleasure. We forget sometimes in church and in our own individual's lives, God wants us to enjoy him. He, He finds pleasure in us. And I don't know about you, but I know, like, you know, when you see um, a little person, like these guys here, just doing their thing, I'm just drawing a picture. It's so adorable and it's so cute. And God looks at us in exactly the same way. You know, He looks at us walking down the street uh, or, you know, tripping over our feet, whatever it is that we do. And He just looks and He just gets such pleasure. He really does. He gets such pleasure. So that's the what, the, the, the what and the how. Let's look at the why. Now Simon Sinek would say, if we can have that golden circle back up again, Chloe, if that's possible. 
he would say that the problem in the business world is that they forget their why. They forget that they're the core thing that drives them. And so their bottom line is all about the product and the service and the profits that they can make. And that goes before how and why they do it. And what he has found, and there's a lot of research to back this up, that when you get people's hearts, your profit margins will go up. They will be invested in your business. And this is what I want to bring in for us here. Because when we are walking shoulder to shoulder, when we know the, the purpose for which God has called us and we're leaning into that, then God uses that and he meshes it. I don't know how he does it. I don't know why he put me here, you know, but I can only be me. I can't be Beth. I can't be Gary Clare. I can't be Sharon. I can't be anybody other than me. And you know what? Believe it or not, that's okay. And he wants us to be each other. Sorry, he wants us to be each different from one another, but fully ourselves. So we need to find our why. Why has God put us here for this point in time? Why is it he's put the raw material of different things within each one of us. Our why matters because it's from our why that how we do this thing called Christianity flows and what God does with it. Beloved, I worry that individuals and Christ followers have lost touch with their why. See, when you have no why, you drift you drift in life and you just aimlessly go with the path of least resistance and go with the currents. Why do you believe in Jesus? Could, if somebody asked you that, could you, could you tell them? You know, we used to sing a little song, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Well, actually, no. Because we are in relationship with Jesus, not because there's a cognitive understanding and, oh yes, that's, you know, it, it's not a head thing. It's a heart thing. It's a mysterious awakening that is formed and wrought in love. And I, my prayer through this talk today is that you get revelation of the wonder of the raw material of who God has called you to be. Your quirky personhood. Your why is the fire in your belly. And each one of us has a unique purpose that will drive us to do certain things. You know, I have this passion about people, that people matter. It's just really simple for me, people matter. What is it that drives you? Maybe for you, you know, um, government matters, or people's health matters, or, or education matters. What is it about you? What drives you? We need to know why God has put us on the planet for such a time as this, and your why matters to God. 
In 2 Timothy 1 verse 9 it says, He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own accomplishments, thank the Lord, but according to his own purpose and the grace that was given to us in the Messiah Jesus before time began. We need to discover our own unique vision and lean into that. And God will imposition us for his plans and purposes. And here's what the devil does. The devil tries to tell you that um, you're an imposter. Somebody will find you out if you dare lean in to what you think is the bigger plan for your life or that you just don't have what it takes or that it's going to be really, really unpleasant. Yeah, you can do it, but it'll be really unpleasant. Do you know what? Some of the greatest joy that we can have is just doing our thing for God, just doing what he's called us to do with the raw material of what we've got. Each of our little whys is part of God's master plan. And we all need to embrace the difference. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, What then, Apollos? What then, Paul? Servants whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each of you. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the other waters, they have a common purpose. Guys, we have a common purpose, but we're all doing a different thing. Each will receive the reward according to their labor, for we are God's servants working together. You are God's field and God's building. So, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, how do I find my purpose? How do I find my why? You know, often we give a lot of time to, I don't know, our appearance. Uh, We give a lot of time to uh, TV, to even prayer or spiritual things. But actually, we need to give this some thought and some time about your why. So I wonder, can we just do something fun a little bit? I'm going to do a bit of coaching with you all now. Okay. So what I'd like you to do is to, I invite you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you some questions which may help you to unpack your why. Okay. And it's helpful if you just close your eyes because it really helps you to center on yourself. So the first question I'd like you to ask, sorry, I'd like to ask is, what did you love doing as a child? What did you love doing as a child? And maybe when you've identified one thing, you could put your hand up and put it down again, just so I don't move too fast beyond this, okay? Just put it down again, that's great. Brilliant. So you find one thing that you love to do as a child. Just hold that in your mind for a second. Maybe it was drawing. Maybe it was singing. Maybe it was running. Maybe it was playing practical jokes. 
that one thing that you love to do as a child? Okay. Now I want you to think more in the present moment. What brings you joy? What makes you feel fully alive as an adult? And hold those two things in your mind, what you love to do as a child and what you love to do as an adult. And now I want to ask, what really matters to you? It's going to look different for each one of you. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's poverty. Maybe it's the vulnerable, the weak. My final question, if there were no limits placed upon you, what would you do with this day? No limits of energy, no limits of money, no limits of time, no limits. What would you do? It's really important to think of these things because this can help us to tune in to our why, to tune in to what really matters. Because when we enmesh the answers to these questions with the raw material of who we are, with your own story, we can start to shape and get an understanding of our why. How do you feel at the end of a day? Do you feel fully satisfied? Do you feel like you've survived it? You've white-knuckled it? <laughs> do you feel peace? And fulfillment are the opposite. You see, when we know our why, we can use that to shape the choices that we make. I've known that people matter to me for like all of my life. And so it shaped the choices that I've made um, in, in the studying that I have done in the the things that I've engaged with in terms of educating myself or equipping myself. We can plan when we know our why to go purposefully in a direction. And here's the thing, do you see when you're moving in a direction, God can more easily move you to where he wants you to be. The passion within you is your why. And it will lead you to your how so you can use the raw material of your what to leave a legacy. So we can crack on and get on with what God needs us to do. So I want to just conclude with this. Why are you a Christ follower? Can we choose to be a people who live from their why? How will that why impact the world And what is God calling you or us 
as a church to produce. Let's give our why some thought and let that be a catalyst for action. And let us enjoy our why. Too many Christians don't enjoy who they are. In fact, not even Christians, too many people, you know, really deep down don't like themselves. And here's the thing, if there's something you don't like about yourself, it's your responsibility to change it. And if there's something that you can't change, I don't know, maybe you've I don't, got big thighs or something, um, then, and you can't change that, then accept it. Accept that that's you know, the way you are and embrace yourself and love yourself because who you are is good enough and who you are is something precious that God has made you to be. Let's be part of something bigger so that when we die, we can really hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I hope that's made some sense. I do have, um, if you want to put that last slide up, I don't know if you'll see this. Is possibly, is that, can you read that? No. I do have um, some of this. If you want me to email you this little tool, which will help you to um, find your why, then please uh, come and see me afterwards and I can email it to you. Um, but this is something that Japanese use. Um, it talks about passion, mission, love, what you're good at, what your profession is, uh, what your needs are and what the world needs. And it can really help you to find that. It's called ikiagai in the middle, which is what we might call the sweet spot. Um, and it can help you to find you know, your why and your direction in life and then let God use that, surrender that to him. Okay, let me just pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that everything of me will, um, will not be here, but everything of you will remain. And I pray that you would, um, Lord, just use these words to really help people to understand, Lord, that they are precious, they are valued, and they have a purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.